Hello, this is Ray Harris of the History of World War II podcast. Prepare once again to be transported to the world of Hannibal. Here is Jamie Redfern's episode 15, Stabbed in the Back. There are varying levels of pain. It hurts much more to lose in the dying moments of a game. I can personally attest to this after Manchester City's 3-2 defeat by Real Madrid last Tuesday. It's bad enough to lose, but to be winning with less than five minutes to go and then lose is heartbreaking. In that same vein, it is one thing to be hurt by an enemy you know is trying to hurt you. It is something much worse to be hurt by someone you thought was a friend. It is much worse to be stabbed in the back. A breakup can be a horrible experience, but it is much worse if, say, your partner cheated on you with your best friend. It is so much worse to be stabbed in the back. It can create one of the most powerful emotions that there is. A need for revenge. If you are doubting that a need for revenge is one of the most powerful emotions that there is, just ask the Count of Monte Cristo. Or at least watch the Simpsons version. A feeling of being stabbed in the back created a strong need for revenge in interwar Germany. Look how that ended up. A feeling of being stabbed in the back created a strong need for revenge in the mind of a certain Carthaginian general. He would make a certain young son swear to always be the enemy of Rome. At least, that is the common story. The master Roman historian Howard Hayes Scullard Doubt's barked expansionism in Spain was directed towards a war of revenge against Rome, and I have cause to agree with him, but we'll get to that later. Now we're going to look at the stabbed-in-the-back Hamilcar, as he begins Carthaginian expansion in Spain. We are still years away from the siege of Saguntum, which will mark the points I can begin to use Livy to tell the story. As unfortunately, we have lost the majority of his 142 book work. What I would give to get my hands on it. But, alas, we do not have them. We are still using Polybius. I shall now quote from Book 2, Chapter 1 of Polybius, on Hamilcar's time in Spain. As soon as the Carthaginians had brought the situation in Africa under control, they assembled a sufficiently strong expeditionary force, appointed Hamilcar to command it, and dispatched it to Spain. When Hamilcar took up the command of these troops, he was accompanied by his son Hannibal. He was then nine years old. He at once crossed the straits, by the Pillars of Hercules, 
and proceeded to establish the power of Carthage over the peoples of Iberia. He spent nearly nine years in the country, during which he brought many tribes under Carthaginian sway, some by force of arms and some by diplomacy. And he ended his career in a manner which formed a fitting climax to his achievements, for he lost his life after fighting gallantly and with complete disregard for his personal safety in a battle against one of the strongest and most warlike of the tribes. The Carthaginians appointed as his successor his son-in-law, Hasdrubal, who had previously commanded Hamilcar's fleets. So, that was that. If you like what you've heard, you can find us online at thehistoryofpodcast.blogspot.com. Just kidding. We're not ending yet, but that really is all there is about Hamilcar's time in Spain in Polybius. Last week, I sped through over 20 chapters to cover the mercenary war, which lasted three years. And these nine years, setting up Carthaginian rule in Spain, earn half a chapter, a mere paragraph. Priorities, Polybius, priorities. Well, just what can we tell from that? That Hamilcar began conquering the Spanish tribes. He did this for nine years, and died. It is all quite... vague. Well, we can understand Carthaginian policy from this. They would expand into Spain, rather than consolidate their position in Africa. This must show a victory for the merchant faction in the Carthaginian aristocracy, rather than the landowning faction, who would have preferred developments in Africa. It points to the dominance of Hamilcar Barker and his position as Carthage's best general. It also shows that Hamilcar did use a mixture of diplomacy as well as military might, given his conduct in the mercenary war. This does make sense. Luckily for you, there are other sources on the period. And luckily for me, there are other historians who have been through those sources meaning I don't have to go into museums to translate inscriptions and try and interpret what various artefacts and their locations mean. It would be a royal pain if I had to survey southern Spain every week for the podcast. Wait, what am I saying? That would be awesome. But um, anyway, yes, secondary sources. I shall be using the Cambridge Ancient Histories for these next few episodes. There is a very handy chapter entitled The Carthaginians in Spain by Howard Hayes Scullard. So, why don't we get into what Spain was like? The Phoenicians founded various cities in Spain, such as Cadiz, which fell into Carthaginian control upon the decline of Tyre. As Phoenicia declined, this allowed the kingdom of Tartessus in the Baetis Valley, to rise to prominence. Tartessus was at its prime during the 7th and 6th centuries BC, but Carthage gradually increased her influence, famously fighting against the Greeks. 
By the end of the 6th century, the centre of Tartessan power had been shattered by Carthage. It's not entirely clear what happened for the next 200 years. But given various treaties Carthage made with Rome, restricting Roman trade, we can presume that Carthage tightened her grip over the south, as far north as Cabo de Palos. North of this, two Greek colonies were founded by Massilia, the modern Marseille. Cadiz was the premier Punic settlement in Spain, enjoying privileges similar to Usca in Africa. Other settlements, such as Malacca, Sexai, and and Abdera, enjoyed a degree of freedom, as would have the nearby Iberian tribes. These tribes would supply the Carthaginian army with Iberian mercenaries. I should mention there were three broad tribal groups in the Iberian Peninsula. The Iberian tribes, the Celtic or Gallic tribes, and then the Celtiberians. No prizes for guessing how they earned that name. It was a very wealthy area. Carthage exploited the mineral wealth of the land, as well as natural produce, such as corn, oil, and wine. Their control of the Pillars of Hercules, modern Gibraltar, gave Carthage control of trade from further afield too, such as the tin of Brittany and the gold of West Africa. The origins of our own culture go back to Greece, and not Carthage, so, sadly, just as the Greeks knew little of Punic Spain, so our own knowledge of the area in this period is lacking. During the 3rd century, Carthage must have lost control of southern Spain, as Hamilcar was sent to Spain in 237 to recover it. The debasement seen in the Carthaginian coins during the First Punic War would support this, as they would have lost control of the precious metal mines. It must be pointed out, though, that we cannot call this early control of Spain a province. It was more like a sphere of influence. It is only in the Bacchid period that the term empire is appropriate. Hamilcar finished the mercenary war as the dominant personality in Carthage, having bested his rival Hanno. There are reports that Hamilcar's political intrigues were to result in impeachment, but to avert this, he simply led his army to Spain. This doesn't appear in Polybius, and is probably just a rumour. As brilliant as the Bacchids were, they were not the most popular people in Carthage. They were new men, and new men always cause trouble and mistrust from the older families. Just ask Marius. Just ask Margaret Thatcher. Hanno and the older families could well have been the faction supporting expansion in Africa. Hamilcar had popular support, though, 
and his personality probably carried the day in favour of overseas expansion. The resources of Spain would compensate the losses of Sicily and Sardinia. The opposition's argument would have been significantly weakened once the gold started flooding in. So, just why did Hamilcar lead the invasion of Spain? As I stated earlier, revenge is a popular belief, whether it be anger at Rome for defeating him, or Carthage stabbing him in the back, and the revenge of him being abandoned in his war in Sicily. One of the major pieces of evidence for this theory is an anecdote Hannibal told King Antiochus III of the Seleucid Empire, which found its way into Polybius. Hannibal says that when he was nine, after making a sacrifice, his father asked him if he wanted to join him on his journey to Spain. Hannibal was eager to go, and so his father made him swear an oath that he would never be the friend of Rome. There isn't any reason to doubt this, but it is very interesting to note that he swore he would never be the friend of Rome. Not that he would be the enemy of Rome, not that he would spend the rest of his life pursuing a vendetta against Rome, but that he would not be the friend of Rome. This does not support the theory that Hamilcar was using Spain as a launch pad for a war against Rome, but instead for using Spain to regain what was lost. Re-establishing Carthage as a Mediterranean power is not the same as preparing for war with Rome, whatever Polybius may think. Anyway, Hamilcar sailed to Gadez, which was still in Carthaginian possession. He took with him his nine-year-old son Hannibal and his son-in-law Hasdrubal. I've already said that Polybius is quite vague, but Diodorus gives us additional information. Hamilcar introduced about 3,000 natives into his own forces before routing an army 50,000 strong. After this victory, he released 10,000 prisoners. This will have endeared him to the natives, and shows how clever a general and politician he was. He founded a large city called Acra Leauke. It isn't exactly known where this city was, but ideas about its location suggest that Hamilcar had not expanded beyond the former Carthaginian frontiers, if you can call them that. Rome was highly uninterested in these events, but Cassius Dio states that in 231, the Romans sent ambassadors to Hamilcar to find out what he was up to. Hamilcar said he was helping to pay off Carthaginian war debts. The Romans were perfectly satisfied with this. It was in keeping with the reasons Carthage went to Spain we spoke about earlier. It is in keeping with Hamilcar staying in the south of Spain. It is not necessary to impose grand plans of revenge onto the situation. It is likely that Rome was unconcerned with Hamilcar, 
and only made the investigation because of concern from Rome's ally, Massilia. Hamilcar was in this position of a colonial governor until 229, when he met his death. He was tricked by a false offer of friendship from the king of the Orisi, and was routed. He plunged into a large river on horseback to divert the attention of the pursuers from his sons, saving their lives, and so perished, very valiantly, Hamilcar. As I've made perfectly clear, I don't think he was planning a war of revenge, but he was a brilliant general, a clever politician, and a brave man. I hope my high opinion of him has come across in these episodes, but his dominant role in the podcast has come to an end. Now, for real this time, if you've enjoyed the episode, you know where to find us online. Thehistoryofpodcast.blogspot.com Facebook.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast Twitter.com forward slash thehistoryofpod YouTube.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com and the History Podcasts Facebook group. At the beginning of the show, you heard the voice of Ray Harris of the World War II History Podcast. Ray seeks to do exactly what it says on the tin. Take you through the story of World War II. He has just uh, finished the Battle of Britain and is about to get into the African campaign. It is a really good listen, so go check that out. I'd like to make a bit of an appeal. If you are a bit of a gamer, I'm putting together a bit of a... I'm saying the phrase a bit of a, a lot, aren't I? Anyway, I'm putting together a bit of a history podcast civilization for play-by-email game with a few podcasters and a few podcast listeners. If you're interested, please post on the post I made on the History Podcasts Facebook group. I think that's about everything. Thanks to Peter John Ross for the music, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next week, when we continue the Carthaginian story in Spain. Spain.